Welcome, White Oak. It's so good to be with you today, and welcome to our online uh, audience, uh, wherever or and whenever you're watching. We're glad that you're here. Uh, today, we launch into a brand new series called One Another, and uh, you might notice all the silhouettes that we've got around uh, the stage. Uh, they're here to remind us that this series is all about people. It's a reminder for us that this series is about relationships, it's about how we interact, about how we care for, about how we view, about how we deal with each other. Last Monday, like most of Cincinnati and probably a lot of the world, I sat with great anticipation to watch the Bills and the Bengals play on Monday Night Football. I had smoked a big pork loin uh, for dinner. I had some friends over. It was supposed to be fun. But quickly, the, uh, it became evident that something serious was going on and, uh, you know, um, that, that something was really wrong. You know, I've never in my 46 years of watching sports seen faces like I did on the TV that night. In an instant... The game didn't matter. There are moments in time that fundamentally change us and kind of reset humanity. I can think back to 9-11 or Katrina. Times where as a nation, as a people, we become more inclined to hug one another, to openly pray for one another. And that's what I witnessed on Monday night and on national, you know, on national television. Uh, and it's what I've noticed in the days since. In a moment, all that mattered was life. And uh, we were reminded of the fragility of it. Grown alpha men were weeping and hugging and praying with each other. In the aftermath of that moment, what happened on the field, uh, there has been some deep need for connection with our Heavenly Father. And it's been evident. Tuesday morning, while on an ESPN talk show, Dan Orlovsky, a show host and former quarterback, prayed for DeMar Hamlin on live television. Another TV host on Fox Sports, Nick Wright on First Things First, openly talked about how his wife has a faith and how his co-host, Chris Broussard, has a faith. And he found himself, check this out, he found himself envious because in that moment he said, I felt empty, like I didn't have anyone to turn to and I was envious of my friends and family who have this faith in what he called a higher power to turn to in this moment. People all around the world have been understanding this need in the midst of tragedy to connect with our Creator. We were created in the image of God. And sometimes that gets buried and it can get lost for moments. But then there's times when it comes breaking back through. When it's all that matters. And, and I recount this to remind us that that is the heart of this series. That God made it clear in scripture that first and foremost we love him. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's the very first thing that we're called to do. But the second thing is just like it. He says, I want you to love other people. I want you to love your neighbors. I want you to love one another. And so as we talk about this series, it's this deep, God-created thing that is in us as we are created in the image of God, that how we treat people, how we view people, how we are towards one another, that it really, really matters. And this is just isn't another series. If you were with us on January 1st, you heard Nathan talk about how one another is our theme for the entire year. It's the lens in which we're going to view everything that we talk about, this idea of how we interact and how we love and encourage and serve one another. And so if you missed that, you can get caught up on it and anything else uh, on our website, thewocc.com. But I encourage you to check out that kind of state of the union, if you will, that very first message that we had on January 1st that kind of set the foundation not only for this series, but where we're going for the entire year. Today, as we kick off this series, our first one another is love one another. It's first because it is foundational. We can't get any of the other one another's right that we're going to talk about if we can't first understand what it means to truly love one another. And so today, as we talk about this, our big idea for today is this. God's love empowers us to share love. God's love empowers us to share love. The reason we're able to share love with others is because God loved us first. Loving people is an interesting topic. For most of us, there's people in our lives who are easy to love, and there's some people in our lives who we might say are more difficult to love. When I look at my own life, though, my own family, it's not so much an idea of do I love them, right? That's, that's obvious, But as I think about it, as I really examine my behavior, of course I love my wife, of course I love my kids, but do I make constant decisions that put them first, that demonstrate to them that I love them? Not so much with words, but more with how I live, with my actions. And there are times, for me at least, when I treat strangers better than I treat my family. You ever had that? Where you're nicer, you're kinder, you're more patient with strangers, maybe with somebody at work, maybe with a friend. You're more kind, you're more patient, you're more loving to them than you are your own family, your own spouse, your own children. I know for me, there's times when uh, I can be more kind, more patient. I can be nicer to my church family than I can be to my own family, right? So when we say love one another, and you start to feel like that, oh, I've got this. I know what it means to love. You know, we talk about love all the time. It's one of the most common topics in church, you know, this idea of love. I know what it means, and I'm doing pretty well at it. I want you to remember that our 
our, our, our goal, our model, is not how you see it lived out by other people. It's not how you see it lived out in movies. No, our standard is God. That God sets the mold when it comes to what it looks like to love other people. As we talk about Jesus being the ultimate example of love, that it's his love for us that empowers us to be able to love others. I want us to look at a, uh, an account in the Bible. It's found in John chapter 13. So if you've got your Bibles with you or if you're using it uh, on your phone, go ahead and turn to John chapter 13. This is a time, uh, John is a follower of Jesus. He writes an account of Jesus' life. And in John chapter 13, we find ourselves towards the very end of Jesus' time on earth. This is right before Jesus' crucifixion. And so Jesus has made arrangements to eat a, uh, a festival or a holiday meal with his followers called Passover. And so they're going to eat this Passover meal in private. And so they've got this room that's reserved for them. And they all go up and they're eating dinner together. And while they're eating the Passover meal, Jesus does this kind of famous act. And, and, and there's a good chance that if you're here with us today that you've heard about it. But Jesus, in this moment of having the Passover meal with his followers, he washes his disciples' feet. Okay. Now, this would have been uh, something that would have been um, out of the ordinary for Jesus to do. See, Jesus was their rabbi, their leader. And it wouldn't have been customary for Jesus to be the one that performed this foot washing. It would have been a servant. It would have been one of them. But Jesus does it for them. And after he performs this foot washing. We're going to pick up in verse 12. This is what happens next. We're going to look at verses 12 through 17. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And so here, Jesus says to them, one of the things that he says, kind of this famous thing that he says, he says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, let me just ask you, what is it that Jesus has done for you? Now, I could tell you, I could give you several examples. I could, I could give you an answer. But if it is God's love that's going to empower you to be able to love others, you need to be able to articulate. You need to be able to draw from. You need to be able to identify what it is 
that God, through his son Jesus, has done for you? What is it that he's done for you? You feel like he's given you hope? feel like he's given you a second chance. You feel like he loves you maybe when nobody else does. You feel like he made sacrifices for you. Maybe you think about the fact that he died on the cross for you. What is it that you think about when you think about just what it is that Jesus has done for you? God's love empowers us to share love. Later that night, after they had discussed more, after Jesus had washed their feet and he had kind of taught them, he said this, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus says, a new command I give you. Now, this might seem odd, right? Uh, this loving one another, is it really a new command? Well, it's not specifically one of the Ten Commandments, if you think back to Moses and the time of the law and the tablets. So in that sense, it might seem like that it's a something new, but going all the way back to the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, we get this phrase, love your neighbor as yourself, right? We've heard that phrase before, but it goes all the way back to the book of Leviticus where it's used for the first time. Uh, the book of Leviticus is the Old Testament book of the law. So these are the things that they were to follow. So in that sense, right, and earlier in Jesus' ministry, he had made it clear in Matthew chapter 22, calling on that same phrase, he mentioned it along with loving God, the second greatest commandment. He said, loving God is first. And he said, right behind that comes this idea, love your neighbor as yourself. So if not new, what's Jesus saying? Well, the original word that's used there for new can best be used and is often used for a word that we would use called refreshed, all right? Refreshed. And what that means is that Jesus is taking something that existed before, this concept, this idea, but he's making it new. He's drawing special attention to it. He's elevating it, and he's saying, in, in light of what I've just told you, in light of what you've just seen me do, washing their feet, I want you to renew your call to love one another. And so Jesus puts a fresh spin. Jesus elevates, Jesus refreshes this Old Testament concept of loving one another. And so, he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And so I want to look at a few ways. I know that I had asked you to think of some. I'm going to, look, I'm going to show you a few ways that Jesus shows his love to us. First, Jesus loves us sacrificially. 
In John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. Jesus demonstrated his love for us by his willingness to sacrifice his own life on the cross and pay for our penalty, pay for our sins. Jesus loves us sacrificially. And so the question is, the, the turnaround is, can we love one another sacrificially? Can we put aside our own wants and desires, our own priorities, our own preferences, and truly love people the way that Jesus loved us? Secondly, Jesus loves us compassionately. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus showing compassion for those who are hurting or in need. For example, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because, he, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus loves compassionately. And so our call, again, is to love one another with compassion, to see people the way that Jesus sees them. He says, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. He noticed them. Third thing, Jesus loves us unconditionally. Okay? So Jesus loves us sacrificially. Jesus loves us compassionately. And then here, here this might be the best of all. Jesus loves us unconditionally. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This shows that Jesus loves us even when we're not worthy of his love. And that his love for us is not based on anything that we do. It's not based on anything we say. Jesus loves us no matter what. And can we love people that same way? No strings attached. No matter what, Jesus loves us sacrificially. He loves us compassionately. He loves us unconditionally. So now the question is, or the challenge is, how can we love like that? How can I love like that? Do I make sacrifices for my friends or family? Setting aside my own priorities or my own well-being for my wife, for my kids, for my friends? You know, my dad, he, he worked at Miami Fort, the power plant uh, on the river. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's just there as you're crossing over from Indiana into Kentucky. And uh, he worked a lot of shift work. And so, uh, so he would work second shift or third shift. But, you know, the funny thing is that I can't ever remember a time when my dad wasn't at one of my track meets, one of my cross-country meets. Like, he was there for everything. And, and so I can remember times where he would either come, go to my track meet, be there. Uh, if you've ever been to track meets, track meets can go late, okay? So I was in a lot of events, and so they would span this whole night. And, uh, and so he would pack a bag, and he would go straight from my meet, wherever it was, and go straight to work, and then work all night, right? Third shift. And I can remember times when he was working second shift where, uh, 
where, where he would go in to work and then he would clock out for his lunch break and he would drive over to wherever I was, watch me for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, just catch a glimpse of what I was doing, drive back to work. And that, that just has always stuck with me. The sacrifices that my dad made for me and my family, knowing how important his job was and how hard he worked, but also the sacrifices that he made to be there for us. You know, he's always set such a great example for me in just his presence. And, and if I'm being honest, I, I look in the mirror sometimes and I just think that I'm a shell of my father. I just don't see that kind of level of sacrifice in my own life, but I see it in Jesus. And so when we're called to love one another, when we're called to use the, the love that Jesus shows for us to propel us to love, to activate us to love other people, our love should reflect that, of the love of Jesus. And Jesus loved us sacrificially. And there's times in my life when I only love when it's easy. And that's not the love that I see demonstrated from my heavenly father. And then I ask myself the question, do I see people with the eyes that Jesus had? Right? Jesus was so compassionate for people. You know, I've got some friends and I've got some coworkers. Maybe you got somebody in your life like this. They just see people. Right? There's just something in them. They, they, just, they can spot people when they're hurting, when, when, uh, when they're going through something. And they just see you. And there's a lot of times where I feel like that, man, just things are happening so fast like that I miss stuff. It's really easy for me to not be that observant. Maybe, maybe miss the signs that somebody's hurting or somebody wants to talk. Somebody, somebody needs something. You know, when I think about Jesus and the woman at the well, if you're familiar with that encounter, Jesus saw her, right? He just had this ability to see people, to be compassionate for people. And so I got to ask myself the question, do I have the kind of compassion for other people that Jesus had? And if I don't, I got to strive to be more like him each and every day. You know, uh, all my love comes with conditions. All right, it's true. I mean, that's honest. Right now, it's pretty easy to love my wife and my kids because for the most part, they love me back and they kind of do what I say. But if they stop doing that, then what would I do? Where would I go? You know, if, if I have a relationship with someone or, or if, if somebody's just, you know, mean to me or if it becomes difficult to love them, like it's real easy for me to just kind of like cut them out of my life. I just avoid them. The kind of love that Jesus shows is so powerful and so uncommon. Jesus loves us in spite of ourselves. And so I, I just need to lean in and figure out how can I learn to love more like that? See, it's God's love 
that empowers us to share love with one another. I've got to harness all the love that Jesus has shown me and use it to fuel my ability to love others. It's only with the recognition that Jesus loved me first that I can love other people. One anothering is a phrase that you're going to hear throughout the year. We made it up, or Nathan did. Um, But it simply means that we're going to put into practice all the different things that we talk about when it comes to how we treat one another. How we as a church are going to live out these ideas And so in this series, when we talk about love and serving and praying and encouraging and forgiving and honoring and being compassionate and instructing one another, it's about how we're going to live this out. 59 times in the New Testament, the idea of one anothering and these actions are mentioned. Our goal this year is to embrace these ideas and to live them out towards each other. And here's the thing. This doesn't and can't live inside this building. The majority of this one anothering is going to happen outside of these walls. It's going to happen in your homes. It's going to happen in your schools. It's going to happen in your work, on your streets. You don't sign up to do it. It's not an event that you attend. It is a way of life. Jesus said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Did Jesus want his followers to go around washing each other's feet? Is that the example that he had set for them? No, it was more than that. Jesus wants us, all of us, to see people, to treat people, to love people the way that he loves us. Sacrificially, compassionately, unconditionally. So throughout this series, we have a simple way that we're creating for you and for me to begin to practice this together. In the back of the room on the tables where you pick up your communion, there are some cards in this craft paper envelope. And on the back of each one sealed is a different colored sticker because there are eight different one another cards. And inside each card is a simple challenge that you would read and you would do during the week. And so here's the thing. I don't want you to go back and take a card if you're not willing to do what's on the inside of it. By taking the card and opening it, You're committing and saying, whatever it is inside there, God, that you're leading me to do, I'm going to do it. And I will tell you that everyone in here can do whatever it is is on this card. The things that are in here, they're not revolutionary. You might have a better idea of how to love or encourage or serve one another. But they are a prompt. They are something. They're a starting place. 
And so there, there's enough cards for everybody to take one, obviously, but there's enough that you could come back and take another one if you wanted to. You just simply grab one that has a different colored seal on it next week if you accomplished your first one. And you can try it again. Because that's it. We, we, we need to begin to live this out. We need to begin to put this into practice. And as a church, we want to celebrate these along with you. We want to hear about them. And so there's a link on the card. You can simply go to thewcc.com slash one another. And, uh, and you can tell us about how it went, your experience. We'd love to hear about it. We'd love to celebrate those with you. We'd love to pray for you as you're maybe taking on this challenge. And if you're watching online, we want to know that you to know that there's good news. You can, you can access all of this uh, at that same link, thewocc.com slash one another. Uh, there's some digital copies of all eight cards that you can click and open up and accomplish on your own. And uh, you can tell us more about your story, about how you lived it out. It is God's love that he showed for each and every one of us that enables us to be able to show love to each other. And sometimes we just need a little prompt, but maybe you're here today and you need to take the first steps in just accepting the love that Jesus has shown for you, the sacrifice that he made for you. And so today, if you're here and you want to learn more about taking the first step, you want to learn more about accepting Jesus, you want to learn more about uh, being buried with him in baptism, and I'd love to talk to you about that. You come up and you find me. You can email me, ksmith at thewcc.com, but I would love to have a conversation with you. And so we invite everyone to pick up a one another card. But seriously, take one if you're willing to do and put into practice what it says. All right, why don't you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you so much for today, for the love that you showed each and every one of us. The sacrificial love that you've given to us, God. And we pray that we could use that love that you've showed us to empower us to love others, God. We want to love people. We want to see people the way that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.